Welcome to Screencast, Screen's podcast series where our lawyers and other industry or thought leaders share their views and insights on various legal issues and developments in Malaysia. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Ikram. I am an associate in the insurance and reinsurance practice group in Screen. I have with me today Ms. Lou Payfern. She is well known to be the partner of the insurance and reinsurance practice group in Screen with over 24 years of experience. It is also a well-known fact that Ms. Lou regularly advises insurers and reinsurers on liability and regulatory matters. So let's just start off with a brief introduction of what insurance is. Insurance is a common feature of everyday life and in some instances is an important prerequisite. For example, you cannot renew your road tax if your motor insurance is not current or renewed. If you're in certain professions, such as uh, your lawyer or you're in the medical profession, your doctor, it is compulsory for you to obtain and maintain professional indemnity insurance to cover your actions. And of course, insurance also provides a form of financial assurance if a specified event occurs. So for example, if we take into the context of medical insurance to cover medical fees for specific medical treatments, and um, you also have another example of life insurance whereby it provides for lump sum compensation to the insured's nominees or beneficiaries in the event that the insured passes away. And it's also important to note that the purpose of insurance is to basically protect or guard you against foreseeable risks. And these foreseeable risks are uncertain. And insurance comes into play when a specified event or manifestation of the risk will take place. That being said, payout of insurance benefits is not as simple as paying out immediately once a triggering event takes place. An insurer is entitled to carry out its investigations and assessment because, of course, an insurer will not automatically make payment if assessment is not made regarding the claim. Another important factor which may lead an insurer to avoid or reject a claim is if a triggering or specified event takes place and is within the insured risk is if the insured has breached his duty of disclosure or has made a misrepresentation. So the topic of today's podcast is basically the duty of disclosure by the insured. And uh, we have Ms. Lu here to explain to us what duty of disclosure encompasses and what happens if the insured makes a misrepresentation. And we have one case study that we believe will be beneficial to the listeners. So I'll just dive in straight to the first question to Ms. Lu. Uh, Ms. Lu, can you briefly explain to us what is the duty of disclosure in an insurance contract? Thank you, Ikram. Now, insurance contracts are contracts of utmost good faith, meaning both the insured and insurer must act in utmost good faith and give full and frank disclosure of all material facts and information. Non-disclosure or misrepresentation may void the contract. I see. You mentioned the words disclosing material facts and information. Can you briefly explain to us or give us an example of what is considered a material fact or information? Yes. Material fact or information are all facts or information which will influence the decision of the insurer to accept the risk or the amount of premium and wider. That is, facts that the insurer would like to know even though the insurer would still accept the risk if the insurer knew them. I give you an example. 
let's say you intend to purchase an insurance product which covers critical illnesses. Whether or not you are a smoker would be a material fact or information to the insurer because a person with a smoking habit may have higher chances of being diagnosed with a particular critical illness, for example, lung cancer, as compared to a person who does not smoke at all. As such, the smoker may be subjected to a higher premium. This is a basic question you will often see in questionnaires for and when applying for health insurance. Wow, that sounds really burdensome on the insured. Um, And it seems that the insured will need to disclose many, many information and considerations when applying for an insurance contract. Ms. Kru, can you just explain to us, for the benefit of the listeners, what is the duty of disclosure in the context of the law? Yes. Currently, pre-contractual duty of disclosure in insurance contracts is expressly provided for under Section 129 and Schedule 9 of the Financial Services Act 2013, in short form, we call FSA. Similarly, for Takafu, it is under the Islamic Financial Services Act 2013. Now, Schedule 9 of the FSA draws a distinction between pre-contractual duty of disclosure in relation to consumer insurance contracts and other contracts of insurance. Now, what is consumer insurance contract? Consumer insurance contract refers to a contract of insurance entered into by an individual consumer wholly for purposes unrelated to his business, profession or trade. Okay, I would like to ask a question regarding consumer insurance contracts. Then what is the statutory duty in relation to such contracts? Yes, for consumer insurance contract under paragraph 5 sub 1 of Schedule 9 of the FSA permits an insurer to request a consumer to answer specific questions which are relevant to the insurer's decision as to whether or not to accept the risk and the rates and terms to be applied in respect of a proposed consumer insurance contract. An insurer may also, before renewing a consumer insurance contract, request the consumer to answer one or more specific questions or give the consumer a copy of any matter previously disclosed by the consumer and request the consumer to confirm or amend any change to that matter. Now, a duty is imposed on the consumer to take reasonable care not to make a misrepresentation when he answers the questions posed by the insurer. Aside from that, a consumer without prompting is also required under the law to take reasonable care to disclose to the insurer any other matter that the consumer knows to be relevant to the decision of the insurer whether or not to accept the risk. Now, The failure or omission by an insurer to ask follow-up questions operates as a waiver by the insurer of the consumer's duty of disclosure. An insurer is deemed to have waived the duty of disclosure if it does not follow up on incomplete or irrelevant answers provided by the proposer consumer. Now, this represents 
a dynamic shift because the previous legal position was that the insured's duty of disclosure is all-encompassing, i.e. whether or not it is expressly asked in the proposal form. There was no duty on the insurer to make further inquiries and the insurer's conduct does not constitute a waiver of the insured's duty of disclosure in respect of information he has not provided. Now, the FSA prevents insurers from easily repudiating liability without reasonable cause. Thank you for that, Ms. Lu. Now, let's see if I'm a consumer and an insurer is asking me questions. What are the things should I as a consumer bear in mind to not make a misrepresentation to the insurer? In determining whether a consumer has taken reasonable care not to make a misrepresentation, paragraph 6 sub 1 of Schedule 9 of the FSA provides the relevant circumstances may be taken into account, including the consumer insurance contract in question and the manner in which the contract was sold to the consumer any relevant explanatory material or publicity material issued by the insurer and how clear and specific the insurer's questions were. The standard of care required of the consumer is what a reasonable consumer in the circumstances would have known. Right, I see. So just now you explained regarding consumer insurance contracts. Now, for the benefit of our listeners, could you please explain what is the difference between a consumer insurance contract and a non-consumer insurance contract? Under paragraph 4 sub 1 of Schedule 9 of the FSA, it requires a person who proposes to enter into a non-consumer insurance contract to disclose to the insurer any matter which a... The proposal knows to be relevant to the decision of the insurer on whether or not to accept the risk or be a reasonable person in the circumstances could be expected to know to be relevant. The person does not need to disclose matters that diminishes the risk of the insurer, matters of common knowledge, matters which the insurer knows or in the ordinary course of business ought to know or where the insurer has waived any requirement for disclosure. Similarly, the risk is on the insurer if it does not pursue further on an incomplete or irrelevant answer. Compliance with duty of disclosure in respect of such matter shall be deemed to have been waived by the insurer. Okay, thank you for that. Now, if, say, I'm again the consumer or the insured and I'm too nervous or this is my first time buying an insurance contract, what are the consequences if I make a misrepresentation? Generally, misrepresentation means a representation that is not true made to the other contracting party which was relied on in entering a contract. Under Schedule 9 of the FSA, it provides remedies to the insurer for misrepresentation by a consumer. Only in respect of a consumer insurance contract of life insurance, which has been effected for two years or less, and a consumer insurance contract of general insurance. Now, it depends on the nature of misrepresentation. There are basically three types of misrepresentation. The first one is deliberate or reckless misrepresentation. 
The second one is callous misrepresentation. And the third category is innocent misrepresentation. Now, if the misrepresentation was deliberate or reckless, that is, if the consumer knew and did not care whether the statement were untrue or misleading, and the matter to which the misrepresentation related was relevant to the insurer, then the insurer may avoid the consumer insurance contract, i.e. they can refuse or deny the claim. A dishonest misrepresentation is deemed to be deliberate or reckless. Now, the burden of proving that a misrepresentation is deliberate or reckless lies on the insurer and it is based on a balance of probability. That is the burden. Now, for the other category, uh, callous or innocent misrepresentation, there are several options. The first option is if the insurer would not have entered or renewed the insurance contract, the insurer may avoid the contract and refuse all claim. But the insurer must return to the consumer the premium that the consumer had paid. Second option would be if the insurer would have entered into or renewed the insurance contract, but on different terms, excluding terms relating to the premium, the contract is to be treated as if it had been entered or renewed on those different terms. And the third option is, if the insurer would have entered or renewed the insurance contract on the same terms, but would have charged a higher premium, then the insurer may reduce proportionately the amount to be paid on a claim. I see. Thank you for that. I think as a consumer and an insured, I'll be pretty much prepared if I'm going to buy an insurer's contract and not make a misrepresentation. (laughs) Now, let's um, move on to the next question. So, are there any cases that you are aware of where the courts have allowed an insurer to reject liability? That is, the insurer can reject claims due to the insured not disclosing certain matters or the insured made a misrepresentation. Yes, I would like to highlight an interesting case. It's called Tan Siu Wei against Great Eastern Life Assurance Malaysia Berhad 2021 1LNS 1770. Now, in this case, the plaintiff, i.e. Tan Siu Wei, purchased a life insurance policy with an added supplementary benefit known as living assurance benefits, which covers, among others, critical illnesses with a coverage amount of RM2 million. Ten months later, after purchasing the policy, the plaintiff was diagnosed with stage 4 cervical cancer. It was found that the plaintiff had failed to disclose her previous consultation with doctors for anxiety or panic attacks and nerve-related illness. And uh, these answers, which could have been disclosed by the plaintiff to the insurer during the detailed health-related questions. Now, in this case, the High Court held that the plaintiff had breached paragraph 5 of Schedule 9 of the FSA and that the plaintiff had made misrepresentations deliberately or recklessly and breached a duty of utmost good faith. 
As such, the insurer was entitled to repudiate the policy and refuse all claims made by the plaintiff under the policy. So from this case, lesson to be learned is that if you are in doubt, whatever is it, you as the insured, you must disclose everything to the insurer. Right. I'll be sure to take note of that and uh, to our listeners, please also take note. And I think that marks the end of this session. Thank you very much for your time, Ms. Lu. It was definitely an enlightening session. I would think that as an insured, it is very important for you to be open with your insurer so that in the event that you have to make a claim, you can be rest assured that it would not be rejected and or liability is not repudiated because of your own fault in failing to disclose or in misrepresenting information. You're welcome, Ikram, and thank you. Likewise to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Screencast. The views and explanations expressed here are for purposes of information only and may not apply to all circumstances or may no longer be accurate due to subsequent developments. You are encouraged to consult a qualified lawyer for any specific legal queries or issues faced.